While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Hello, we're in week five of our sermon series. So if you open this week five envelope, you'll find a coaster with a painting of a boat on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Today I'm putting the Portuguese rooster on the coaster. It's the unofficial symbol of Portugal. If you keep listening just for a minute, you'll understand why. We live in a world of of following and being followed. How many followers do you have on Instagram? How many friends do you have on Facebook? How many followers on Twitter? How many views did last week's sermon receive? It's assumed that our circle of influence is measured by followers and friends and views. We seek to be influencers. Cristiano Ronaldo is the most followed on Instagram, 238 million followers. He is also the most followed on Facebook, 135 million followers. If you are like my wife and you do not know who he is, Ronaldo is a Portuguese footballer playing for Juventus in the Italian Serie A Football League. Soccer is undoubtedly the number one sport in the world. On Twitter, former U.S. President Barack Obama is the most followed, over 118 million followers. Second ranked on Twitter is a Canadian singer, Justin Bieber, 112 million followers. Cristiano Ronaldo comes in a distant sixth place. Don't you feel sorry for him? Think about this for a minute. Who do you follow? And why do you follow them? Most likely they do something or they represent something you value or find fascinating. Who follows you? Think about that for a minute. Why do they follow you? What message are you leaving with them? If Jesus were on earth today, would he be content to have one billion followers on Instagram, another two billion friends on Facebook, and another two billion followers on Twitter? Would social media be his main strategy, or would he actually prioritize another way? Let's look at his way again. Today we're going to talk about the method of the beautiful way, and then the ministry of the beautiful way. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. In our passage today, Jesus invites four fishermen to follow him, three of whom will become his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Jesus' first recorded action after beginning to teach is to gather a group of followers who will commit themselves to a total life change, a total change of allegiance and culture. From now on, wherever Jesus goes, they will go. Jesus commands them, follow me. What was their response? Well, immediately they left their nets and followed him. So how were they able to make such a radical decision and leave everything familiar to them on the shores of Galilee? In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, about one year earlier, John the Baptist introduces Andrew to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And Andrew begins to follow Jesus. Jesus turns and asks him, what are you seeking? Andrew asks Jesus where he is staying, and Jesus says, come and you will see. Jesus invites Andrew into relationship to hang out with him, to get to know him. The next day, the first thing Andrew does is find his brother, Simon. That's what you do when you discover something you want others to know, when there's a person you want others to follow. When Andrew brings Simon to Jesus, Jesus looks at Simon and says, So you are Simon. You will be called Peter. This initial conversation took place at the Jordan River where John was baptizing. About a year later, 100 kilometers north of where John baptized, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, a sea that supported a thriving, flourishing fishing industry. Jesus sees Andrew and Peter, the two brothers, casting a net over their shoulders. The word for net there, it indicates a a circular net, about six to eight meters in diameter with lead sinkers around the outer edge. The net was cast, and then as the edges sank, it was drawn together to enclose the fish. Apparently, the two brothers have returned to fishing, their normal way of life. I want us to note something here. Peter and Andrew's commitment to an understanding of Jesus, it advanced over time. Later, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter will confess Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This, Jesus says, is a revelation from the Father. It will take the resurrection of Jesus and the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, however, for the disciples to fully understand who they are following. So when we talk about the method of the beautiful way, we talk about following Jesus, and following Jesus is a growth process. This is important for us. Jesus invites us to come and see. We grow in our understanding of who Jesus is as we spend time with him. As we come to know him personally, our commitment to him, it grows in depth and maturity. So where are you on the journey today? At Willingdon, we speak of four phases of growth along the discipleship pathway. 
explorer, hiker, climber, and guide. The language is obviously adapted from mountain climbing. An explorer is asking questions like, so who is Jesus? Why do people worship him? What will change in my life if I follow him? An explorer has many questions. And if this is you, join a Discovering Jesus group or an Alpha group and ask your questions. A hiker has made a decision to follow Jesus. They're learning the basics of following Jesus. How do I read my Bible? How how should I pray? Uh, Why should I spend time with other followers of Jesus? If this is you, join a Discovering the Church family group or a life group. A climber is a little farther along on the journey. They're increasingly following the the leading of Jesus in all areas of life. They've discovered they have spiritual gifts. They want to test their gifts by serving others. So if this is you, become a life group leader. Engage in community outreach opportunities. There are many. A guide lives a life fully surrendered to Jesus and finds great fulfillment in obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit. A guide helps people move from being explorers to hikers to climbers and finally to guides. If this is you, contact Discipleship Ministries. Do you see yourself on this pathway? If you want to do a self-assessment to help discern where you are on the journey, go to the Discipleship Ministries tab on our website. You'll find the self-assessment and also some great opportunities for engagement. If you're a student, connect with your student pastor or your group leader. The key question is this. Are you moving in the direction of Jesus? Are you moving closer to Jesus or are you moving away from him? Let's return to the story in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus calls four fishermen to follow him. And they immediately leave everything. How could they leave their nets so quickly? Well, it's possible that the miracle of Luke 5 occurred the night before the invitation in our passage. In Luke 5, Peter, James, and John, probably Andrew as well, they've been fishing all night and they have caught nothing. According to Luke, they are partners in the fishing business. Jesus tells them to cast their nets into the deep. The catch is so large, their nets are breaking. The fishing partners come together to haul in the fish. Their boats begin to sink. Peter, witnessing this miracle, is just overwhelmed. He falls down before Jesus and says, Depart from me, Jesus, for I am a sinful man. The miraculous catch prepares him and the other disciples to hear the call, follow me. Jesus doesn't wait for his disciples to request mentorship. He's the one who takes the initiative to call people into a personal relationship with him. Do you hear him calling? This is at the core of the beautiful way. Our key decision is to commit ourselves to him. The way is about being with him, learning from him, serving with him. He is the focus. When following Jesus, he must 
always be at the center of the story. And this is one of our four core values at Willingdon Church. We are unapologetically Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused. In Matthew 4, after calling Peter and Andrew, we see Jesus walking down the shore a bit farther. Jesus sees two more brothers, James and John. They are in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, that is, cleaning, repairing, folding them for the next catch. The word used for nets here is the word associated with fishing uh, nets used at night, dragged underwater by at least two crews of boats when the fish could not see the nets. Luke tells us that James and John were partners with Simon in their fishing business. They are probably mending their nets because of the miraculous catch the night before, what we saw in Luke 5. The passage leads us to believe that Jesus makes the same invitation to them, to James and John. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The word for men is the Greek word which refers to both men and women. Jesus calls broken people, men and women like you and me, to follow him, learn from him, and call others to follow him. Matthew mentions that James and John leave their father. Mark mentions that hired men are left with their father in the boat. According to archaeological finds, their boat would have been eight meters long by two and a half meters wide, with the central mast and end sail holding about 15 people. The mention of their father is significant. They are leaving their family business to follow Jesus. This is no small decision. Fishermen were far better off than most in the time of Jesus. Leaving the family, the home, and the family business was a relational, psychological, and financial sacrifice. They were leaving what was familiar and secure. This was not just an emotional, spur-of-the-moment decision. When we choose to follow Jesus, there will be a cost. Jesus may invite you to leave the familiar as you embark on this journey. For certain, whatever your vocation in life, whether you are a preacher or a prosecutor, a teacher or a technician, a hotel manager or hospital staff, your primary vocation in life will be following Jesus. And this will, for certain, entail full surrender. Following Jesus demands complete obedience to his leading. Jesus will never allow himself to be an add-on in your life, just one more relationship, uh, just one more piece in your life, uh, just another room added on to your personal house, an extra you could live without if you wanted to, but you've added. Following Jesus demands total surrender. And then, notice how Jesus extends his rule. The presence of Jesus on earth does not lead to a dramatic shift in world politics. Rather, it extends through four fishermen surrendering their lives to him. The rule of Jesus advances when four local fishermen leave their boats. This does not sound like a a world-changing task force, but their relationship with Jesus and his calling on their lives will change the world. Listen again to Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took 
and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Jesus' way of transforming the world is one disciple at a time, the most effective strategy ever. So effective, the church is a global movement. He does not lobby the Roman emperor for changes. He makes disciples. The hope of Canada today is not found in lobbying municipal, provincial, and federal governments. The hope for a lasting change in Canada is realized by making one disciple at a time. Following Jesus means making disciples of him who make disciples of him. In the spring of this year, Eddie Yan, he was invited to join a discipleship group by one of our Willingdon pastors. The question came up, who else should we ask to join us? Eddie immediately reached out to two of his friends and invited them to the group. The four men have been meeting almost weekly since that time. As the group met, they were encouraged to consider who God was leading them to reach out to. Eddie had a client who was questioning why Buddhists seemed to be more caring than Christians. This caused the client to question her Christian faith. Eddie connected the client with his father-in-law, Celest, who had converted from Buddhism to Christianity. As the three met and talked, they decided to begin a study group to explore and grow in their Christian faith. They have added two others and continue to meet weekly. Eddie also continues to meet with his original discipleship group for personal growth and encouragement. This is disciples making disciples. Going back to an earlier question, would Jesus have been on social media had he lived in the 21st century? Well, we don't really know, but he did speak to the crowds, so he may have been on social media. But the focus of his ministry was on his 12 disciples. Throughout Matthew, we will constantly be reminded of both groups, the close circle of disciples and the wider crowd around him. These two groups will follow him. In verse 23, we read, And he went throughout all Galilee. Galilee was made up of about 200 small towns and villages. Approximately 300,000 people lived there. What was he doing with his disciples amongst the crowds? Well, let's read. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Three things characterize Jesus' ministry, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and three, healing every disease. The teaching in the synagogues was for Jews and Gentile God-fears, already familiar 
with the Hebrew Scriptures. The synagogues were formal gathering places for the Jews. Sabbath services involved singing, prayer readings, the reading of the Hebrew Scriptures, a short sermon on the reading of the day, and a priestly blessing. Their services were very similar in form to our worship services today. The synagogue experience was worshipful and instructional, but it was not enough for Jesus and his disciples, and it should not be enough for us today. It was not everyday discipleship. Even today, attending worship services is not enough for disciple-making. There is a reason why Jesus does not commission his disciples to go around the world planting synagogues. His followers were to be fishers of people, not keepers of the aquarium. What was different about Jesus? Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom in and outside the synagogue, in formal and informal settings, to those familiar with the scriptures and those unfamiliar with the scriptures. The content was probably the same in both settings. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven had arrived. The good news was about the inbreaking of God's saving reign through Jesus and the dynamic force of God's rule in the life lives of Jesus' followers. So the ministry of the beautiful way, well, it's about teaching the good news of Jesus' rule. As Jesus proclaims the the good news of the kingdom, miracles confirm his message. Observe the description of his healing ministry. All the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those uh, having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. The general description, various diseases and pains, it's divided into three subcategories. Those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, and paralytics. Can you imagine being paralyzed in the days of Jesus? without wheelchairs and cars and buses to help you circulate. The word seizure refers to any kind of of mental illness or irrational behavior. In other words, Jesus is healing spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical illnesses. Jesus brings healing for the whole person. At the end of August, Amelia, a member of Willingdon Church, wrote this email to Pastor Shirley. I want to thank you and the Chinese Fellowship for all your prayers. I suffered from very high blood pressure, dizziness, and a racing heart for days. My arms and legs were also tingling and numb. I felt terrible. One morning I thought I would have to go to emergency again. I was counting down the hours until I could see the doctor at 1.45 p.m. I could only lie down, but that was still very uncomfortable. Any movement would cause my heart to race and I would feel worse. While I was lying down on the couch, I had my eyes closed. And there was a moment when I saw a bright, pure light and I felt immense peace. My body also felt complete peace and the discomfort disappeared. It was a very special moment. I knew it was from God alone. After doing my blood tests and ultrasound, 
I went to see my doctor. When he went over the test results, he could not find anything related to the heart and blood pressure issues I had experienced. He said, sometimes things happen, and it's a mystery. I think God has healed me. My heart regulates normally, and I'm also able to sleep at night, all night. Through this health scare, I have learned so much from Jesus. He's so precious to me. During my health trial, I had a vision of the refiner's fire and the impurities floating to the top of the water. The impurities in my soul were exposed and floated to the top. I realized I was not trusting fully in Jesus and still trying to control my life with my very, very limited abilities. For example, I was trying to protect my family from the pandemic. I can only trust in God alone to protect my family, especially as my children return to school. Healings like this one attest to the presence of the kingdom of heaven in Jesus. During COVID-19, we're led to focus our attention on the virus, the need for physical protection and physical healing. At the same time, since the beginning of the year, more than a thousand people have died in BC from an opioid overdose. We are being forewarned of an increase in mental health issues. Are we ready to be equipped to love and come alongside those who are suffering spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Jesus is present to equip us to carry on his ministry. The ministry of the beautiful way is about ministering healing to the whole person. What is the outcome of Jesus' teaching and healing ministry? Jesus' fame spreads throughout all Galilee and Judea, the provinces of Israel, and even in the religious center, Jerusalem. It also spreads beyond the borders of Israel. Beyond the Jordan refers to Perea, to the east of Judea, across the Jordan River, inhabited primarily by Gentiles. The Decapolis, meaning ten cities, refers to the Roman region east and and south of Galilee, inhabited primarily by Gentiles. Syria refers to the region north of Galilee. So the Twitter numbers explode throughout Israel and beyond. The impact is stunning. The response is phenomenal. Crowds are following. In Matthew 9, Jesus sees the crowds, harassed and, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus is moved with compassion. It it twists his stomach and he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. And then in chapter 10, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples with authority to go out as he did. What's the commission? And proclaim as you go, Matthew 10, verse 7, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. So they are to carry on the ministry of Jesus. What is our mission today? What has he called us to do? There's a straight line from the commission in Matthew chapter 4 to Matthew 10, 
where Jesus sends out the 12, to Matthew 28, where he commissions his disciples to go to all nations. This commission is crystallized in our Willingdon mission statement to know Jesus Christ personally and to carry on his ministry. It's also there in our central ministry focus, making disciples of Jesus that make disciples. And it's in our vision statement, a family where everyone is on mission with Jesus. The ministry of the beautiful way is about every follower carrying on the ministry of Jesus. On Sunday evening, I was running through Glenbrook Ravine Park in New Westminster. As I descended toward the bottom, I observed an an older man running in front of me. I caught up to him and asked him, can I ask you a question? What is your age? 79, he answered. You inspire me, I exclaimed. Well, I retired last year, he went on. I worked in construction until I was 78. If you're going to hang around, you might as well do something. If you're going to hang around, you might as well do something. A few weeks ago, I encountered one of our members in the parking lot of our church. What have you been up to, Shireen? I queried. Oh, the Lord has made it so easy for me during COVID, she said. In the fall of last year, I went for a walk in Carisdale and met Elizabeth. As I greeted her, I asked how she was. And she said she was suffering from physical pain. She allowed me to pray for her. We exchanged phone numbers, and then subsequently, I phoned her a few times to encourage her. A couple of months ago, I met her as I came out of my house. She told me that she had severe pain and just wanted to die. I told her that God had a plan for her and prayed for her. A few days later, as I was walking by her apartment building, I saw her on the balcony. We greeted one another, and I went on my way. However, the Holy Spirit prompted me to return and ask her if she wanted a Bible. She said, yes, and I ran home and grabbed the New Testament for her. When I arrived at her building, she invited me up to her condo. We talked for a while, and then eventually she surrendered her life to Jesus. Elizabeth has finished the Discovering Jesus class and is now doing the Walking with Jesus class. The Lord has made it so easy. End of quote. Too often we complicate things. Can we take steps of faith and follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit? If we are going to hang around during COVID, we might as well do something. Wouldn't it be a tragedy to go through this crisis when many are searching for answers and miss the opportunities before us? Imagine if we were not so focused on our own needs and we saw those around us. Imagine if we came out of this crisis with beautiful stories to tell about people we reached out to, people we prayed for, people we shared Jesus with, and people that God transformed by his Spirit. What is Jesus inviting you to today? Perhaps it's just an invitation to come and see. Maybe it's an invitation to repent and actually place your faith in Jesus as your Savior. Maybe it's an invitation to repent of of your half-hearted devotion to Jesus and, and he's inviting you to give yourself to him fully. 
Maybe it's an invitation to service in the church family or an invitation to service in the wider community. I'm sure that Jesus is inviting you to something today. And of course, at the center of that invitation is Jesus himself. He wants you to know him. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer for people who might want to just surrender their their lives to Jesus for the first time. And then I'll pray a prayer for those of us who are following Jesus. First, for those who want to surrender their lives to Jesus for the first time, you can join me as I pray. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to this earth out of love out of love for all people, out of love for me. And I thank you, Jesus, for coming and showing who the Father is. And I thank you for being obedient to the Father and going right to the cross and dying in my place. You took my sin upon yourself. You paid the price for my sin so that I might be set free free of guilt, to have my shame removed, my fears dispelled, so that I might know your Father, the one true God, so that I might receive the gift of eternal life, so that my sins might be forgiven, so that I might now live in a new way. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me. I want to follow you. I need your help. Lead me forward, Jesus, I ask. In your name I pray. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, please do connect with a friend who follows Jesus. Or you can uh, click your digital hand there and uh, we'll connect with you and, and we'll really want to encourage you in your journey. Now a prayer for all of those who are following Jesus. Uh, Jesus, uh, we just thank you again for drawing us to yourself. And Lord, forgive us for times when our devotion to you is half-hearted, when we are actually running after other things or other people, and uh, we are not keeping you at the center. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that our love for you would be renewed. May we love you as we did it first, when we first surrendered our lives to you. And may we truly see those around us. Lord, if we're blind, open our eyes to the people around us in need and show us how we might talk to them, pray for them, uh, serve them. Lord, there are so many opportunities around us. And so we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would sensitize us to those things that you are doing in the community around us and those things that we can join you in doing. Thank you for the privilege of being your disciples, your followers. Um, Truly, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And true peace and joy and love are found only in you. And so, Father, we thank you that we can live under your care during this season and we submit ourselves to you again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.